a very good morning and uh, great to be with you. This is one of the really neat pictures from the ancient Christian church of Jesus. I know it doesn't look uh, that uh, this is a, a fresco with a painting on a, on a wall, uh, and it's called Christ Between Peter and Paul. It dates from like the 300s, and it's just one of the many. Uh, we don't have a ton of images of Jesus. Uh, there's about a half a dozen of them or so from the first couple hundred years, but it's one of the many proofs that we have, or the evidences, I shouldn't say proofs, I should call it evidences that we have, that from the very beginning, uh, people heard the confession of Jesus that we heard this morning. You are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And they said, oh, that means he's God. They knew that, and, and they put him in the position of power and glory from the very start. So let's uh, pray as we hear God's word this morning. Lord God, Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity today to hear your word. We pray that as we would hear that word, that you would send us the Holy Spirit and sanctify us by your truth. For your word is truth. Amen. I don't think it's any uh, great surprise for, for me to tell uh, people, uh, certainly the people who are here at Peace more often already know this about me, to, to know that I had more than my own uh, fair share of questions and doubts regarding uh, the Christian faith of years. Uh, so I've had my, I had my time of, I don't think there is a God. I'm not even sure if the, you know, there is a God. I, I don't believe in this God. I, I doubt that he exists, right? And so I had my own, my own questions like that. I, I had my time of, of wondering if this God loved me, accepted me, uh, approved of me, and what my status was before him. I could see, looking back at that time in my life, especially that my emotions were all over the place. If I was having a good day, I was angry. If I was wondering about God and his love for me, his acceptance, I would be sad. Uh, if things were going well, I could be ecstatically happy. I was just, I was all over the place. And, and I've had my share of questions, too, about my connection with God and, and other people. There are times where I feel so close and intimate and, and personal with God. I feel like he's really near me. Uh, and, and there are times where all I feel from God or, and from other people, too, is, is isolation, abandonment, disappointment, disconnection, betrayal. I feel all those things. And I don't, I don't think that's that surprising Maybe what is surprising is to notice the times also then where I've, I've sensed and I see that the more I confess Christ, the more powerful that becomes in my life. The more powerful impact I see in the people around me. I think about a, a time where I pray for a baptism on a weekend, on a Sunday at a service. That week some people talked to me about a baptism. And a couple weeks later, the the person was getting baptized, not even a baby. What? That thing happens, huh? Um, I, I think about one time in my life, it was really a, a neat time where I was, I was uh, praying. I felt deeply disconnected from other people. Then that week, I had a, a little bit of a conflict with somebody, and the other person and I, we had to forgive each other, and we got reconciled. It was incredible. God was at work in that moment. Uh, and, and perhaps one of the most neat examples, a service, we were going through a service, and there was somebody there at the, at the service, and they were an unbeliever. He said, I, I'm not a believer, I don't practice, I don't believe 
in God. But what do you guys believe? I've, I've never seen people so engaged. That was so dynamic. It was so inspiring. What, what do you believe? Right? There is a promise in God's Word, there is from God, that the, the confidence to confess Christ makes a huge difference in our community. And that's what Jesus has for us today. This is a pivotal moment in Jesus' life. He has traveled to Caesarea Philippi. It's a city, a small city, but an ever-expanding city at the headwaters of the Jordan River. Out of the rock and the water, the city of kings is growing. Herod, Herod's sons, and the Caesars have all come to this place to make their mark. Now Jesus comes says to his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? You are the Christ, the Messiah. If you have an older Bible, it says you are the Christ. It's not you are Christ. His name is not Jesus Christ. It's a title. The Messiah. The Chosen. The Anointed. The Chosen King. It's a title. And then this remarkable twist. Blessed are you, Jesus says. To know Jesus. To believe in Jesus. And to confess Jesus is a blessing not only in your life, but a blessing in other people's lives that makes more difference than we could ever imagine. And that's what Jesus wants to promise you today. That the promise to confess Christ, well, you'll see the difference it makes in a community. It, it conquers. And we want to look at two things. The, the who this unstoppable force is, and then what it is. Who it is and, and what it is. So first, who it is. The first thing Jesus says is that not you individually, but you collectively can be an unstoppable just puts it this way. On this rock, I will my church, and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys. Then it says, not to tell anyone. He showed with those words, the keys were for all of them. He doesn't say, it will give you the keys. He doesn't say, if, if you shape up and you stop being so so bad, I'll give you the keys. He, he doesn't say, if you, if you really love me, I'll give you the keys. He says, I give you keys. I give you the authority. I give you the responsibility. You have the authority. You have the responsibility. Take it. And if you see something wrong in life, fix it. He says, I give you the keys. Use them under my grace, under my command, but I give them to you. There's this scene in the movie Bruce Almighty, the movie Bruce Almighty, where, where, um, where uh, Jim Carrey on the street and he snaps his fingers and then all of a sudden this, this fire, that's it. And, and then there's this song that starts playing in the background, I've got the power. Remember that one? It's so funny, and, and yet that's it. Jesus says, you've got the responsibility, you've got the authority, you've got the keys. Don't hide behind the idea that God, God must certainly help this person. God will 
certainly help this person their life. If you're with somebody who's hurting and sick, don't you see what God is saying? He's saying, you've got responsibility to help them. You've got the key to help them. And step up and use it. Stop hiding. We have this, there's a strong pull. There's a strong pull to hide. Do you feel it? There's a strong pull to, to not the power, the authority, the responsibility. There's a famous example from New Sixties. A woman named Catherine was coming home from work one day. She was attacked. Her neighbors heard the attack. They went to their windows. They turned on their lights. They looked down. 38 neighbors all out of their windows. No one called the police. No one came down to help. No one moved a muscle. The assailant ran around the corner and hid. When nobody came in five minutes, he realized, oh, he went back, found Catherine, crawling on the ground, he killed her, took $49. Sad story. Certainly some people there were saying, it's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. I don't have the authority. That's personal responsibility they avoided. I'm sure some people there said, someone else will take care of it. Someone else will do something about it. The police should get involved. They have the, that's collective responsibility. You see how with these words, Jesus upholds both personal and collective responsibility. Jesus says, I give you the keys, Peter. That's personal responsibility. You have the authority, Peter. You have the responsibility to make the difference. But he also says to his disciples at the end, don't tell anyone this secret. Keep this secret, that collective responsibility. That's all of you. That's all of us. Who has the authority? Who has the responsibility? You and I do. We do. We have the key to be a powerful, unstoppable force. So what is it? What is it? What is this powerful, unstoppable force? Let me give us an example, and then we'll, we'll take a look at it a little bit. I've been reading this book by a man named Sam Chand called Leadership Pain. Sam is a, he tells his own story in the book. Sam is a, an Indian man. He was born in India uh, back in the 1950s. And he eventually immigrated to the United States. Um, he was poor, dirt poor, uneducated. And in the 1970s, he went to Beulah Heights Bible College in Georgia. Georgia in the 1970s was still a deeply segregated place. And uh, he went, he was quickly smitten by this young woman in the president's office. The young woman, this white woman, she was dean that if she dated him, she would go to hell. One day, he brought her flowers. The dean found out. Other people found out. He had a little conversation with them. And it wasn't but a few days later, he was on a plane back to India years after that, he came back to the United States. 
They wanted to get married. They went to the church that attended while they were at college. He had been a, a leader of the worship. She had helped with the nursing home ministry. They asked the pastor if they could get married. The pastor said, nope, no, we won't. I won't marry you. I don't think your marriage can work. She's white and you're Indian. Ten years later, this is the, the good part of the story. Ten years later, Sam pastors at a church in Michigan. His church decides to start supporting Beulah Heights Bible College with their offerings and their giving. Sam is asked to serve on the board of regents for the college, the board of directors. The board of directors, they begin to come and visit him. They seek at his church sometimes. And Sam, a few years after that, he's asked to be president of the college, the very college that kicked him out. He comes back as he's serving as president, and he comes to the college, and he, he says to the dean one day, years ago, you tell me, now I'm your president. I'm okay with you. Can you be okay with me? These men just didn't know how to put their faith or take their faith in a gracious and welcoming God and, and live it in a world or in a, in a country that was filled with racism. The college, over 15 years, had its enrollment, enrollment increase by 10 times. They got credited twice during that time. And the dean saying, the best is yet to come. God has not finished with us. Jesus is really clear the keys. The keys, the right to forgive sins and to not forgive sins. The keys are the door of heaven to people with this acceptable is that door. But I want you to notice two things about those keys. pointed out that he, these places, they didn't know how to take their faith in a gracious and living God and, and to reconcile it. And said, on this rock, I will build my church. There's always the question, why should I bring else to my life? Why should I practice justice? Why should I show mercy? Why should I live with compassion? And people who believe personal responsibility tend to say, I'll mercy because I believe in mercy. My education, my experiences, my job have taught me. What about when somebody really wrongs you? believe in collective responsibility tend to say, we as a people, we have received mercy from the gods as, a, a, as a, the God of the sea or the, the God of the heavens, and that's what makes our crops grow, or we received mercy to start off the nation. What about when the, the people themselves within the nation are torn apart by conflict? Who shows mercy then? See, people who believe in the keys, Jesus gave no mercy because Jesus did not receive mercy on the cross so that he could show me mercy. People who believe in the keys, Jesus give say, I practice justice in my life because Jesus endured divine justice on the cross so that I could be justified. 
People who believe in forgiveness in the keys Jesus gives say, I believe in forgiveness. I practice forgiveness because Jesus has not forgiven my sins so that I could be forgiven. The keys are a rock, the foundation. More than that. Did you see did you hear what the what the dean said and what Jesus said here? The dean said, The best is yet to come. It's not with us yet. And Jesus put it this way. He said, This was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father. There's another set of questions. What about eternity? What about heaven and hell? What about eternity wrong? How could we ever notice, know these things? People who believe in collective responsibility tend to say, We, together, we, our collective knowledge has answers. Who believe in personal responsibility say, I've got to have all the answers. But people who believe in the keys Jesus gives say, I don't know the way, but Jesus is the way. People who believe in the keys Jesus gives say, I don't know the truth, but Jesus is the truth. People who believe in the keys Jesus gives say, I don't know life, but Jesus is life. That's inspiration. That's revelation. The keys of Jesus are both and revelation. They are both inspiration and they are foundation. And Jesus is all of this for all humanity. Not sin, not death, and not hell itself can stop him. Not even the gates of Hades will overcome it. You see, the gates are are defensive weapons, aren't they? They keep people in. They protect a space. But hell itself has been undone. Jesus rolls from the inside. And when we storm the gates of hell, nothing can conquer us. Nothing can stop us. We confess and we conquer. So let's do that. Confess and conquer. I don't know uh, where you are. Maybe you're, you're like me. You've had your fair share of questions about God, about His acceptance, and about the community that you're a part of. You feel so much isolation and abandonment and loneliness. I, I picked up a copy. I don't know if you guys have seen the new series out called The Chosen. You've wanted to, to become familiar again with Jesus to pass it on to somebody else so that they can confess. So if you to, if you'd like to, to get this, I have just one copy. So I'm going to do a drawing for it. You can uh, text me and tell me why you want it or there's a, a, a box out on the welcome table there and you can stick a little note card in there and just say, Hey, my name is Fred, and I, I'd like that copy. It'd be good. I can give it away. And then I'm not going to you know, read through them all or anything like that. It's just a, a chance for you to think, do, why do I want this? And I'll, we'll just draw for it, and we can give it to somebody who'd like it. But I'd love to share with you this little illustration to, to close. Um, when, during the Civil War, when the generals, one of Lincoln's generals came in one time and told Lincoln, hey, We've pushed the enemy back out of Richmond, and they've, we've pushed them back into their own territory. And Lincoln looked at all of the rest of the generals in his room, and they said, when will they learn that the whole country is our territory? 
Jesus is not satisfied with just having our church. The whole of heaven and earth is His, and He is Lord over it all. Confess, and we can conquer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity today to, to call us uh, into your kingdom and to give us the keys that we can use to conquer in your name. Certainly the gates of hell won't fall just because of our own, because you have broken them down from the inside out. Your resurrection has, has defeated them, and we can conquer in your name. We pray that we would take these keys and mightily use this in Jesus' name.